You say, Brother Casey, I thought we were done with Psalm 119. Uh, nope, not yet. Holy Spirit didn't tell me to go anywhere else. Psalm 119, verse 25. Daleth. Fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Daleth. Every verse in the Hebrew, the next eight verses, starts with that, with that letter, Daleth. And since Hebrew reads from right to left, exact opposite from English, the uh, Daleth is always on this side of the verse. Or for you, it would be this side of the verse. <coughs> but uh, anyhow, uh, let's stand together out of respect for the Word of God as we read. Psalm 119, verse 25 through 32. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Read with me if you would. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. I will talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy word graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. God bless you. You may be seated. What an incredible psalm. As I have looked at these verses individually, always before, I just started in verse 1, read through to verse 176, and uh, <clears throat> took note of the fact that almost every one of them, all but three of them, in fact, make some mention of the Word of God, the Bible. And, uh, but as I've taken the time to look at each of the verses individually, wow, it is so rich. Here in verse 25, for example, it says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. A reminder that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they died spiritually. Their bodies were made of dust, and once you're dead spiritually, there's nothing to live for. I mean, no purpose in life. I mean, what sense is there in doing very much other than trying to make yourself comfortable, trying to... Be prosperous if the future has nothing for you except hell, eternal judgment. The psalmist writes and says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. Your soul is your mind, your will, your ability to, uh, to reason. That's the soul. Your personality. And your personality cleaves to the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Now the word quicken here is a Middle English word that means to make alive. Okay? If something is quickened, then it becomes alive. You take some yeast, some dry powdered yeast, and you put it in a little glass of water with a spoonful of sugar in it, and <clears throat> make sure the water's warm but not hot. And pretty soon you've got yeast coming out of the top of that thing. I mean, you pour that yeast into a bunch of flour and margarine and Pretty soon, you've got a lump of dough. 
And that lump of dough grows and grows and grows and grows. So, Brother Casey, it sounds like you've made bread. I have on numerous occasions. It's not my favorite thing to make. I'd rather make sweet cinnamon rolls out of that same dough. But, you know, you can make bread if you want to. But, but the, the, the lump of dough is quickened. It's made alive by the yeast in it. By the same token, the Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. You can turn there if you will. We're going to read down through verse 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 uses the same word, quicken. To quicken, to make alive. Ephesians 2, 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh. We all live like that. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. That not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you hath he quickened. He made you alive. My soul cleaves to, to, my soul cleaves to the death. But his word quickened me. You see, it's through the word of God I learned that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and he rose again the third day of the, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel whereby people are saved. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 3 and, excuse me, chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. There it is. The word that quickens. Here's the word that quickens. By grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. The word of God quickens us, makes us alive. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word of God quickens us. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 through 15 says, For the word of God, excuse me, verse 12, just verse 12. For the word of God is quick, it's alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It's the word of God that let me know I was lost. That my spirit was dead. And of the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. How did I ever think that my sinful nature was original with me? Why did I ever think that I was was so smart that I could do it on my own? No, the Word of God is quite clear. That I need Jesus. 
I not only need Him as my Savior, I need Him as my Shepherd. I need Him as my God. I need Him to teach me. And He does it through His Word. The Word of God is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. It was the Word of God that taught me about the price that Jesus paid for us. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane the night before He was crucified. Took the disciples with Him. Gethsemane means the place of the olive press, where they press the olive oil. The cave there that has an olive press in it, or did have, I assume it's still there. Went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Groves of, or, or, of olive orchards everywhere. He takes his disciples there and asks them to pray. And then he takes the, the top three disciples, Peter, James, and John, and says, come with me. And they go off a little ways. And he says, now, y'all stay here and pray for me. And he goes off a little ways farther. Not as far as you can throw a rock. So probably as far from, from here to the back of the church. Unless you've got a really good arm. And there he kneels down. And he begins to pray, Father, let this cup pass from me. Can you imagine this cup? It has Adam and Eve's sin poured into it. And then the murder of Abel by Cain. And then the sins of the people who lived before the flood, whose every thought and intent of their heart was only evil continually. It all gets poured in there. And then the sins of God's chosen people as they murder the prophets, as they deny the Word of God, as they worship Baal and, and Moloch and Asheroth. As they take their babies and, and lay them on the bronze tongue of this big cow's head with the furnace burning inside, glowing red hot. And they lay their babies on there and, and the music has to be so loud and the drums have to be so loud to... To, to muffle the sounds of the screaming of the mothers as the babies are rolled off into this thing as a sacrifice to their gods and all of that is poured into this cup. And then there's my sin and your sin and the sins of the whole world poured into this cup. And Jesus says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he drank the cup for me and for you. Paid the penalty for our sins. It's the word of God that revealed that to me. The day came when I recognized I was a sinner and I was going to hell. If I didn't draw another breath, I'd be in hell in just a few seconds. And I bowed my head and called out to God. Said, God, I know Jesus died for me. I know He paid for my sin and I'm asking Him to be my Savior right now. From now on, if I'm not saved, it's your fault because I'm doing exactly what you said to be saved. And at that moment, my spirit was made alive. Christ gave me His Spirit to live in this body. My soul suddenly has a reason for living. A purpose. All because of the Word of God. Quicken me according to Thy Word. Then the second verse. 
I have declared my ways, and thou hast heard me. Teach me thy statutes. Well, I have declared my ways over and over again. It seems like I find myself doing the same sins again and again and again and again. But 1 John 1, 9 is so clear and so simple. If we confess our sins. Now, confess doesn't mean to say I'm sorry. Okay? Can you see yourself being hauled? No, you probably can't. Can you see me being hauled into, into jail, into the police station? They put me in the interrogation room, and the detective comes in, and he says, all right, take this pen and paper and write out for me a hundred times, I am sorry. I think I was back in fifth grade. And I wasn't writing I'm sorry then. I don't remember what I was writing, but it wasn't I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyhow, you know, that's not a confession, no. What's he want me to write out? He wants me to write out exactly what I did wrong. That's confession. If we confess our sin, to say the same thing that God says about it. Oh God, this was wicked. Those of us who are pretty good, you know, and apparently most of you all are because whenever I ask you how you're doing, you always say, I'm good. Okay? Those people who are good don't recognize the wickedness of sin. I'm, I'm afraid we don't. I'm afraid we don't understand that those sins laid the stripes on the body of the Lord Jesus as he took that whip and ripped it into his flesh and pulled the flesh from his bones. That's what sin does. That's the sin that was in that cup. Calling for his death. Because you and I thought it wasn't a big deal. Oh, my word. I've declared my ways and thou hast heard me. You heard me. Teach me thy statutes. Lord, don't let me do those same sins over and over again. Teach me your word. Psalm 119, verse 9. We looked at this a few weeks ago. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. When Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Like John taught his disciples. Jesus said, okay, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power, the kingdom, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Deliver me from evil. Thing is, when we pray that prayer, we are acknowledging that God has a kingdom. And we're in it. And we need to be submissive to the king. He goes on. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. The problem is we can't talk about stuff we don't understand. I can describe to you something I've heard, but I can't explain it to you if I don't understand it. For example, what is it that causes water molecules to begin to speak at the sound of a voice? 
What, uh, not, excuse me, not water molecules to begin to speak, water molecules to begin to, to, to shimmer. What, what is, what's that all about? Well, I don't know. I know it's true, but I don't understand it. And yet, when the world was covered with water, God said, the Lord Jesus said, let there be light, and there was light. The water molecules responded and began to shimmer, and suddenly there was light. Can I explain that to you? No. I don't understand it. But I know that it's true. I heard a, a, a quantum physicist explain it. I still didn't understand it. It's kind of like when my wife explains stuff to me. I won't go into that, but yeah, a lot of times she explains stuff and I still don't understand it. After 39 years, I just nod my head. Say, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Okay does not mean I understand. Okay means I'm listening. Okay, okay, okay. I can't talk about something I don't understand. So I need him to help me to understand the way of his precepts. If I was God, I wouldn't give my son for any of you. But I don't understand love like God has for us. I just enjoy it and appreciate it and try to allow it to permeate my life so that it shines out to others. It goes on. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. What's that mean, my soul melteth for heaviness? Whoa, he's talking about discouragement. He's talking about depression. He's talking about being at the end of your rope and finding there's no knot to hang on to. My soul melts for heaviness. Seems like everybody's after me. Jim White used to be on KMOX on the nighttime show and he said, made the statement several times, just because you're paranoid does not mean that everybody's not really out to get you. Okay. Paranoia is believing that everybody's out to get you. <clears throat> but truth of the matter is, there are times, especially for those of us who suffer from depression, when suddenly... There are no answers to any problems. When you're not suffering from depression, all the problems, some of them may be large, but there's always a solution, and you just got to find it. But when you're depressed, when the heaviness uh, causes your soul to melt within you, there are no answers to even the little problems. And every problem becomes large. Life's not worth living anymore. And you think you'd be better off if you didn't have to keep breathing. Brother Casey, you sound like you've been there. Oh, yeah. Several times. You say, then, how come you didn't go ahead and kill yourself? I thought about it. I planned it several times. I know how how I would do it. 
What keeps him from doing it is there's no way I can figure out how to keep my wife and son from feeling guilty. And I'm not going to burden them with that. You see, I preach funerals for people who did take their life. And their families are always devastated. And I love my wife and I love my son. And I'm not going to do that to them. So what do you do? Well, I take medication every day. Okay? Keeps me from being depressed. I asked my doctor one time, does that change your personality? He said, no, it reveals your personality. When you're depressed, your personality is suppressed. When I'm on my medication, this is the real me. See? That's scary, isn't it? How can anybody be crazy as this? Uh, one of the things I like about getting older is you can say things because you just don't care what people think anymore. <laughs> I'm still having fun with at Walmart with the crowds and all that, and you see a guy pushing a cart along or following his wife as she pushes the cart along, and you walk up beside him and say, excuse me, perhaps you can help me. And they always stop and look very attentive, and you say, are we having fun yet? One guy said, your wife's not with you? <laughs> I said, no. He said, then you're not. <laughs> Apparently he was because his wife's standing right there. <clears throat> okay. Which made me wonder if he'd lie about other things. Uh, <laughs> that was it. Oh, I'm so depressed and discouraged. That's what the psalmist is saying. And what's the answer? He needs God. I need God. Even with my medication, I could still get depressed if I didn't wake up every morning knowing that God is there. Being able to say, good morning, Father. Good morning, Lord Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. What do you have planned today? I'd like to get in on it. I'd like to be, I'd like to be with you wherever you're working. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, Jesus said to his disciples, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. One of the reasons people get depressed is because they don't get enough sleep. They don't get enough rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Your soul that is melting for heaviness in Psalm 119 finds rest in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 and 30 because you've come to Jesus. Oh, how sweet that is. There's a song I heard the other day not for the first time, but stopped to listen to it. And the, and the chorus goes, Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Wow. That's all he's asking. Come. And then he goes on. Remove from me the way of lying. Grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have, I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. 
What's he saying here? I've chosen the way of truth. Do you know why people lie? Number one, make themselves look better. Number two, to get out of trouble. Those two reasons. You say, surely there's other reasons. No, pretty much boils down to those two. Make themselves look better. Get out of trouble. You choose the way of truth. And what happens is, God becomes responsible for the outcome. If you don't tell the truth, then you are responsible for the outcome. And the problem then becomes such that you tell one lie and then you got to tell another one to cover the first one. And then you got to tell another one to cover the first two. And then another one to cover the first three. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. And then you don't remember what you said the first time. You tell the truth. You don't have to remember all the lies. You just tell the truth every time. And what happens when you tell the truth? Sometimes you get in trouble. But sometimes God steps in and brings glory and honor to himself. Keep me from lying. Don't let me be put to shame. Why would that happen? Well, It could be you, you could be put to shame if you're not serious about God. So what do you mean? Well, Mohammed, we know a lot about him. Things that are not nice. Things that are really wicked. But the people involved in Islam do not teach the history of Mohammed. They do not teach his lies. They tell the lies that have been built up about him. Okay? But Muhammad died as a hero. Confucius, old wise Chinese man, helped people to understand that everybody pitches in, everything goes better. Many hands make light work. Okay? Reminds me of the story about the... You've heard it before. I'm going to tell you. You have to go on and hear it again. <clears throat> story about all the people in the convention as Chinese philosophers up teaching and uh, all the lights go out. The power goes out. The microphone's not working. So he steps over beside the microphone and he says in the top of his voice, Everyone raise your hands. Everybody raise their hands. About the time they did, the lights came back on. He stepped back to the microphone. He said, Confucius say, many hands make light work. (laughs) I know, I know. It was funny the first time I heard it. (laughs) But the Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles, the Greek. And then in Romans chapter 10, verses 9, 10, Exodus in verse 11, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the 
mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the heart man believeth unto salvation. Uh, excuse me. Man believeth unto righteousness. For whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Shall not have to be ashamed. You see, there's going to come a day when I stand before God. And I'm either going to stand before Him as His Son, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, or I'm going to stand before Him as an unforgiven sinner about to be cast into hell. I know which way it is for me. I'm going to stand before Him as a son. You probably know how it is for, how it's going to be for you. You, if you do not know Jesus, are going to be ashamed. Because here's the one who paid for your sin. And you said, no. I don't need your help. He's going to be the judge. Wow. Then, verse 32. I will run the way of thy commandments. When thou shalt enlarge my heart. Is your heart enlarged? See, what do you mean, enlarged heart? Well, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, 30, says that God is working in the life of every believer To help us to be like Jesus. It's His plan for us. To help us to be like Jesus. In verse, uh, excuse me, in Romans chapter 12, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What's God's will for you? For you to be like Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He wants you to think like Jesus. What did Jesus think when he saw the multitudes? He had compassion on them. His heart was enlarged. How did Jesus feel when he saw a blind man sitting by the wall begging, calling out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Well, he wanted to help. And so he healed his eyes. Poor guy had palsy so bad he couldn't walk. His friends let him down on a pallet in front of Jesus. Jesus said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Take up your bed and walk. Why? Jesus had compassion on him. He wanted to help him. How do you feel when you see somebody who's homeless, somebody who obviously is struggling, somebody who needs help? You think, serves them right. No, you don't think that way, do you? A drug addict who's strung out. going into withdrawals, shaking, nauseated, trying to keep from throwing up again because there's nothing left in their stomach to throw up. Do we step away? Or do we have compassion? Do we see what we can do to help? Enlarge my 
heart. And I'll run in the way of your commandments. I'll be like Jesus. You want to be like Jesus? Obey the word. Study the word. Read the word. But he started in that very first verse with uh, quicken me. I'm quickened when I listen to your word. It's the word of God that will save you. Because it tells us of his death, burial, and resurrection. Let's stand together quietly, heads bowed, eyes closed. In just a moment, Brother Booger is going to come lead us in a verse of an invitation. The invitation is pretty simple. If you need to be saved, this be the time. This be the place. Just come on. If you're already saved and you need to come and rededicate your life or confess sin or whatever, just come. If you need to follow the Lord in believers' baptism, come on. We'll make arrangements for you to be baptized. Whatever the need is in your heart and life, the Word of God has the answer. Father, I pray in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that your will would be done in each heart and each life. Father, we need you. We need your word. We need our hearts enlarged. Some need their their soul quickened. You work. In Jesus' name, amen.